Welcome back. It's a Monday, the Ides of May, 15 May 2023. In fact, I'm your host, Mark Call, and let's start off our look at what's going on around the nation and the world today with a look at some lies, especially lies that are being revealed, that kill people and literally destroy nations. But it's becoming increasingly undeniable that was the real intent all along. And again, I find it kind of encouraging that this headline comes from the UK's left-leaning Daily Mail as well, which again seems to suggest the truth is busting out all over. I'm going to add just one or two words to the headline here. Traitorous ex-CIA chief John Brennan has admitted that what they call the Dirty 51 letter was, in fact, political. Yeah, it begins. The former CIA director, Brennan, has admitted that infamous letter signed by 51 former so-called intelligence officials, and they lied, folks. And the Daily Mail even says that here, claiming that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russia, Russia, Russian disinformation was, quote, political. And the Obama regime's director of so-called intelligence made the admission during his four-hour uh-huh, testimony to the House Judiciary Committee investigators behind closed doors last week, reported Fox News. This comes as the other high-profile known perjurer, former director of national intelligence James Clapper, is expected to give his own test of lies on Wednesday, May 17th. And the piece helpfully reminds us both Brennan and Clapper signed that traitorous letter by former intelligence officials who falsely claimed that Hunter Biden's laptop from hell had, quote, all the classic earmarks of a Russia, Russia, Russian information operation. Yep, they lied. They were willing to be accessories to fraud in furtherance of election theft. Then, of course, as we now know, literally treason. One of the emails seen by the New York Post shows one of the ringleaders here, former CIA director and scumbag Mike Morell, asking Brennan to add his name to the signatories on that piece of you-know-what, whereupon Brennan emails back that it was his intention to sign it. The story later says he had an editorial change that he wanted to make, though, quote, I have one editorial suggestion for the letter. I think it would strengthen the verbiage, yeah, the propaganda effect here, if you say this has, quote, all the classic earmarks of a Soviet-slash-Russian information operation, unquote, rather than just the feel of one. And the letter was published, the Daily Mail notes, by Politico first, just five days after the actual journalist at the New York Post reported on the contents of the Hunter Biden laptop from hell. And this is telling as well. On October 19, 2020, just a couple of weeks before the rigged election and immediately before the presidential debate, Morell allegedly sent the CIA the final version of the propaganda letter to the pre-publication classification review, as it's called, and labeled it a rush job so that it could be approved ASAP. And now it's really clear why. There are some other things here that regular listeners know, and those who get their news from CNN, the WAP, or the New York Times will probably never hear. Like, all of this happened after Morell admitted to the House Judiciary Committee last month that he was asked by none other than current Secretary of State in the regime, Anthony Blinken, who was at the time a senior member of Biden's campaign, to coordinate the letter. As you may recall, the wannabe Biden Fuhrer was also careful, and I'm sure his handlers helped him on this score, to use that letter during the October 22 debate, hey, just three days later, against Donald Trump, saying he thought that the reporting around his son's abandoned computer was, well, hey, let's just hear it from the horse's um, um, mouth. I have to this respond way. to that. Please. Because, look, Very cool. there are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. 
they have said that this is has all the care for five former heads of the CIA. Both parties say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Oh, yeah. And then he said this too. listen and laugh. Nobody believes it except the, his and his good friend Rudy Gianni. Well, now just about everybody who's not senile believes it and knows they not only were lied to, but they're still being lied to besides. Morell was thanked for his work in coordinating the letter, along with Steve Reschetti, chairman of the Biden campaign, who telephoned him right after that to say thank you. And at the time, he was then noted to be in consideration for the role of permanent CIA director. Really makes you wonder what they got on William Burns, doesn't it? The lying Anthony Blinken two weeks ago said he's not behind that infamous letter, insisting he, quote, doesn't do politics. No, folks, that might even be true. He, in fact, does insurrection. When asked by Fox News if he accepted the legitimacy of the laptop, now that it's been proved beyond a reasonable doubt by just about every reputable news organization on the planet, the Biden regime official said, quote, I'm not engaging in politics. I've got a lot on my agenda. And that, folks, is undoubtedly true as well. There's a revolution to consolidate, a country to overthrow, and an invasion to coordinate. Finally, concludes the Daily Mail, the director of national intelligence, John Radcliffe, under the Trump administration, said at the time that the Hunter Biden laptop was, quote, not part of a Russian disinformation campaign, and that he'd made that clear to the FBI for all the good that it did, and the larger intelligence community. The Republican report, continues the Daily Mail, also detailed how the CIA coordinated with the Biden campaign to shop that letter around and gain press coverage. To which all your hosts can add is, yeah, I guess it's really helpful to own them or be public-private fascist partners with them. Oh, yeah, and the socialist media, too. And we've got more on that, literally, in just a second. Quoting that House Republican report, the Daily Mail says that the Biden campaign took, quote, active measures to discredit the allegations about Hunter Biden by exploiting the national security credentials of former intelligence officials, unquote. And as we've seen since, they're willing to lie about so-called confidential human sources, and maybe we even know who they are, to continue that ruse. Let's put a bit of icing on that cake with a quick Elon Musk bombshell that dropped over the weekend. Late Friday, Musk announced that he was excited to welcome Linda Yaccarino as the new CEO of Twitter. And NBC confirmed it by admitting she was going to be departing as their head of advertising. But it didn't take too long for the New World Order dirt to come out of the closet. Shortly after the Wall Street Journal revealed the identity of Musk's new female CEO, Paul Joseph Watson pointed out that the hiring of Yakarina to head the socialist media network, which in recent months has become the bane of liberals and progressives, by actually, at least for now, allowing free speech, not for everybody, mind you, but for some anyway, could be a problem. For one, Yakarina was, quote, chairman of the WEF's task force on the future of work, and she sits on the World Economic Forum's Media Entertainment und Culture Industry Governors Steering Committee. And in January 2020, she delivered a speech entitled World Economic Forum, Creating the Workplace of the Future by, oh, yeah, got to love this, focusing on people. And it sounds like she's talking with laser sights. (laughs) And if you realize a bit more of her background, that makes perfect sense. In 2021 to 2022, she was chairman of the Ad Council and the Board of Directors, who noted Yaccarino partnered with the business community, the White Whorehouse, they didn't spell it right, and various government agencies to create, are you sitting down, a COVID-19 vaccination campaign featuring none other than Pope Satan and reaching over 200 million Americans to inject themselves with the Zyklon B. 
So, yep, looks like her credentials are downright impeccable. And would you believe that, at least for a while, over the weekend, RIP Twitter was one of the major twending hashtags. But as of Monday morning, there's even a bit more. Carl Denninger came out and noted that Elon Musk doesn't seem to be nearly as adamant about defending free speech as the propaganda might have you believe. I posted the following, said Denninger, about his new CEO in response to the New York Post asking, Who is this chick? To which he tweeted in response, a WEF lackey and jab-happy mastermind who in fact conned two-thirds of this nation on purpose into taking said jabs under false pretense. She deserved the gallows, but then again, Musk has billions of reasons not to care about the people in this country and indeed worldwide, which, reported Carl Denninger, drew me an instant 12-hour suspension from none other than the new open Twitter for harassment. Because doesn't this sound familiar? What Twitter called harassment and abusive behavior, says Denninger, now amounts to factually stating that she is indeed a WEF lackey. After all, she just spoke there. And that, in fact, while at NBC Universal, her last major project, she did indeed work to advertise and promote the poison pokes, which we now know were, in fact, based on the lie that you wouldn't, couldn't get COVID if you took them. You might, though, get sterile or die from all kinds of other really nasty stuff or be permanently disabled. But, hey, what's a lie like that when there's trillions on the table? And as Carl Denninger concluded, let's be clear, folks, it's considered abusive by Twitter to state two truths about a public figure and call for them to be punished as a direct consequence of the harms that occurred to others due to their own personal and willful actions which they took for the purpose of profit, whether professional, monetary, political, or uh, otherwise. Hmm, maybe all is not quite what we're being propagandized to believe. Other WEF lackeys and New World Order traders, too, are starting to, uh, well, be revealed for what they are. This one comes from Infowars.com and CNN, of all places, where GOP Congressman Mark Green, chairman of the Homeland Security Committee, appeared on CNN's State of the Union to discuss the, are you sitting down, 83,000 illegal border invasions just last week alone and blasted the so-called Secretary Achtung of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, for blatantly lying about the insecurity, he called it the security of the border, and violating the law to boot. As literally, day by day, new record numbers of illegals cross the border to commit invasion. Said Representative Green, responding to Mayorkas's lie that the numbers have actually dropped, they only drop, folks, if you refuse to count them, Green noted that, quote, what the secretary failed to say is that this week has seen more crossings than at any time, any week in our history. Yeah, there was some anticipation, so people started coming across at higher numbers, in fact, record-breaking numbers, during the first part of the week. But in the latter part of the week, a judge ruled that they just can't do their plan of releasing people without a court date. And yeah, folks, as you might expect, since then there have been other stories saying now they're getting court dates, they're four, five, maybe ten or twelve years out in the future. Back to the quote here, which Secretary Mayorkas had said on the news was a bad idea. But court ruling said he can't do that. The drug cartels have responded, and the numbers fell off for a couple of days, explained Green. But then he admitted just moments ago that they can't predict the peak, said the congressman, adding that, quote, CBP has said 40% increase is expected now with Title 42 gone. And he laid out the stark numbers, urging that's another 9 million people, 9 million invaders, folks, in just two years. I mean, they've already let in over 5 million, he said, and one and a 
half million gotaways as they've tried to ahem, manage border security to the intent of, uh, it would seem, folks, not securing our border. Wait a minute. No, I'm not even going to say it that way. What is being done here is to encourage a literal invasion and destruction of a country. Green vowed to hold Mayorkas responsible, saying he knows, quote, for a fact that he lied to Congress under oath and added, we're going to look into his dereliction of duty, the laws he's intentionally violated and not followed. Let me be a little bit even more blunt than the Congress critter here. This scumbag should have been impeached long ago before the invasion got completely out of control. Well, no, it's not out of control. Let's just be clear here. This is what they have been working to accomplish. I'll follow that up with a quick story and a tweet I saw over the weekend, courtesy of Jim Hoft and the Gateway Pundit, and actor James Woods, who's gotten fairly blunt of late and is thus on the outs with Hollywood. As you know, says the coverage here, Title 42 ended Thursday. Border agents are expecting a rush of up to 1 million illegals in the days ahead as the Biden regime and their criminally evil Secretary of DHS, Alejandro Mayorkas, have opened the borders and thrown down the welcome mat, along with all kinds of free goodies for anybody that's willing to come in and invade. This, says the piece, is an impeachable offense. And on Thursday afternoon, Speaker for the Traitors, and I'm going to use that term again now, Kevin McCarthy posted a tweet that chastened Joe Biden for opening the U.S. borders to the world, saying that the Fuhrer's, quote, policies have sent a message to the world, including the cartels, the border is open. Why, he said, is the, uh, and I'm not going to use this term, the Biden Fuhrer, who's supposed to enforce our nation's laws, yeah, sure, missing in action, more or less, unquote. And you got to love James Wood's response. He tweeted the following, either impeach him or shut up. Just stop talking for the love of God and do something, unquote. The fact that they're not and have let it get this far tells you literally everything you need to know. One more quick related story, this time from Steve Watson and Senator Josh Hawley, who came right out on Friday and said it, that the Biden regime is intending to, quote, collapse the immigration system on purpose and that they want the chaos at the border. He told Fox News host Laura Ingram, quote, I think the plan is exactly what you're seeing. They want the chaos. The plan is to try to collapse our immigration system completely, collapse the courts, collapse the asylum process, overrun the border. That's the plan. That's what they want. They want the chaos, reiterated the senator. And if you thought the fentanyl problem in this country is bad, you thought it was bad in my state, where it's the number one cause of death in the state, Missouri, for young people, just wait, because they're about to turn it on full throttle. And he added, the drugs that will come across this border, the crime that will come across this border, the danger to our families and our communities, it's going to be unlike anything we've ever seen in terms of border crossings in our country's history, unquote. And you know what, folks? As hard as it is to admit this, he's still soft-peddling the problem. If you think they're just going to smuggle drugs across the border and not, what, bioweapons and even suitcase nukes or worse, you're not paying attention. This is literally an invasion, and we are going to see terror, acts of terror, and acts that are going to result in a crackdown by the very people who've let this happen. You know what? It's called the Hegelian dialectic, and uh, in the name of securing the border, once they've let it get out of control, that is going to shock Americans and make the uh, Red Dawn movies, plural, of the past 50 years or so, look kind of tame by comparison, albeit with a very different outcome than a Hollywood ending. But maybe that's fitting now that Hollywood's owned by the Communist Chinese Party anyway. On then to World War III and our Monday update. 
The Gateway Pundit reports, now that Britain has confirmed the delivery of depleted uranium or DU munitions to Ukraine, which, as Robert F. Kennedy Jr. commented on Instagram, should be banned because they partially vaporize on impact, poison the environment with uranium dust that causes cancer and horrific birth defects, We've now seen the inevitable consequence. On Saturday, during a massive air and missile raid on Ukraine, Russian forces hit an ammunition depot in Khmelnytsky, the western part of the country, causing gigantic explosions. And guess what? The criminals had stored a bunch of depleted uranium munitions there at that depot. A large bank of British tank ammunition with depleted uranium recently brought to Ukraine, along with Storm Shadow missiles, all of which were destroyed. And as a result, a huge explosion sent particles of depleted uranium dispersed throughout the territory in the Khmelnytsky region which, like we've already seen in Yugoslavia and Iraq, will almost certainly lead to an outbreak of cancer in the medium term. And, as the Gateway Pundit reports, it didn't take long for the results of that impact to be measurable. The average gamma ray dose rate is up about 40%. Said one of the reports, a clear spike in gamma radiation was detected in Khmelnytsky on or about May 12th, with emission continuing to rise the next day and remaining at the elevated level thereafter. Considering how little actual gamma radiation comes directly from depleted uranium, this clear spike in gamma radiation in the region indicates that there was a very large stockpile of DU munitions that was destroyed, spreading uranium dust into the air. Here's a story from the Energy Destruction Front. Last week, as you may recall, the EPA, SIC, announced new regulations intended to destroy the ability of the United States to produce electricity by basically eliminating the ability of utilities to produce electricity with clean natural gas, even as they try to get dumbed down Americans to think that they'll be able to charge their electric cars someday with a solar panel, or maybe a bird-killing windmill or a few hundred, while they're simultaneously lying and working to outlaw gas stoves so they won't be able to cook either. Well, here's the shocking Monday morning headline from Zero Hedge and Tyler Durden. U.S. natural gas drilling is now collapsing at the fastest rate since 2016. Isn't that interesting? The last time the communists were in control, doing the very same thing. And this, according to a new report from Baker Hughes Company, the U.S. natural gas sector is rapidly pulling drilling rigs from the field due to uh, what they're calling conditions of oversupply that have led to a collapse in natural gas prices over a nine-month period. And if you've been paying attention, you can guess what else just might be behind the uh, collapse in prices. And isn't it ironic, folks? You'd think that if prices of something that were this clean and this available for energy were collapsing, that would result in more, not less usage. But that would underestimate just how effective the Biden regime and the communist Chinese puppet masters pulling their strings have been at turning the truth upside down, dumbing people down, and destroying them while they literally willingly participate in their own destruction. This next story would be funny if it wasn't so tragic and indicative of that very same phenomenon. It comes from the Daily Mail. Major firms are threatening to pull out of the People's Republic of Chicago and join the exodus from the windy, disgusting scumbag city on the lake as new woke mayor is signed in, says the Daily Mail headline, and has vowed to impose what? More of the same communist regime that put that city and so many other leftist hellholes into the dung heap to begin with. He wants to impose a big tax on wealthy individuals and big businesses in order to pay for the far-left progressive agenda. Says the story set to be sworn in on Monday in just a matter of hours. Mayor-elect Brandon Johnson beat out a less far-left wannabe machine boss. They call him a moderate by comparison. 
the CEO of Chicago Schools, Paul Vallis, earlier this month, to replace the nutcase with a problem, Lori Lightfoot. And it turns out they went out of the frying pan and into the fire. On a podcast, the CEO of the country's foremost financial derivatives exchange voiced distaste over taxes planned by the 47-year-old former union organizer. Just hours before the ceremony that would see this new scumbag sworn in, CEO Terry Duffy said that CME Incorporated is set to leave the Windy City. And in the process, his company joins others from other leftist hellholes all across a deteriorating U.S. landscape who've decided they've had enough and they want to get the hell out of those hellholes while they still can. But there's one really big problem, your host notes, and the Daily Mail doesn't even seem to want to address it. Just where do they think they're going to go? Is there any big city left in the formerly free United States that isn't overrun with Soros DAs, gun grabbers, and communist wannabe dictators? Oh, yeah, and there's this, too. Officials from both of the leftist parties in Chicago have recently slammed the lawlessness they're seeing in the city under Lightfoot, which is continuing and has now reached levels not seen in decades during the pandemic and then failed to return to pre-pandemic levels for reasons that ought to be painfully obvious. With just a few minutes to go today, folks, before both the deadline and the end of the show, I find that there are too many things to put in the time that I have available. So I'm going to do a headline review and then just make a couple of comments. One comes from the Great Recession blog, and this headline pretty well nails it. The article is fairly long, but it says, Why the government debt crisis will blow up even before we manage to get to default. And that makes a lot of sense. It's not like we haven't talked about that before either. Most of the stories today kind of help buttress the point anyway. Charles Hugh Smith of Two Minds writes about the doom loops that are now multiplying, noting they've been in the lexicon for a long time. The basic idea is the decline of one of the inputs holding up a status quo, which weakens other inputs. The weakness then feeds back on itself, accelerating the decline until some critical support level breaks and the entire system collapses. Doom loops, says Charles Hugh Smith, are being used to describe things like big city downtowns gutted by remote work, the closure of small businesses, the rise of property crime, and chronic homelessness. All of them exacerbated by exactly what we've been talking about here, idiocy run amok, doing things that cause more of exactly these kind of problems until finally people realize, hey, I might as well just get the you-know-what out of here while I still can. But if I'm stupid, I'll bring the very problems that I'm trying to escape from right along with me. Next, a couple of comments from Wes Renier via the ncrenegade.com. The fight against the evil rights is close at hand, and I hope you're prepared for more than just surviving. I weep begins the peace for what was once a great and beautiful country. For so many years, I've tried and fought to restore the country of my childhood. But I came to the realization that there's no voting our way out of this mess many years ago. And I was called crazy for even thinking in such a way. It's frustrating, he continues. We can't restore the republic. Seems all we can do at this point is try to survive the coming storm and maybe rise from the ashes to try and rebuild what once was. The days of my youth are forever gone. I don't even recognize the world we live in today. We tolerate so much that evil that's right at home in this world. Everyone can feel it, he says, knowing that something is about to happen because we certainly can't continue to go on this way. But every day, nothing happens. Evil continues to gain ground, and as Thomas Jefferson famously noted, while liberty continues to yield. I often think, he says about the Churchill quote, if you'll not fight for right when you can easily win without bloodshed, if you'll not fight when your victory is sure and not too costly, you may come to the moment when you'll have to fight with all the odds against you, and only a precarious 
best chance of survival. There may even be a worse case. You may have to fight when there's no hope of victory because it's better to perish than to live as slaves. Well, says Wes, I fear we have waited until it is, in fact, far too late. But fight we must, because I sure don't want my children to live as slaves. Now, folks, understand that it's actually even worse than that, because the evil that has taken over this country and is now invading it from every side, top, bottom, above, and below, doesn't want your children to live as anything at all, much less reproduce. So with that, I'll say thanks for being with us. Pay close attention. Do not be fooled. Recognize just how far the evil has already come and what it intends to do. Thanks for joining us, and may Yahuwah bless you and yours.